0: You're listening to Phanalysis, a sci-fi and fantasy TV show podcast. In this episode, we are talking about Supergirl episodes 214 through 217, and The Flash episode 317, which is the musical crossover titled Duets. I'm
1: your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And in this episode, you can expect some spoilers for the above episodes that Chris just mentioned. I'm not going to rename them because they were long. But there are going to be some spoilers for you if you haven't seen those.
0: Homecoming, Exodus, Starcross, Distant Sun, and Duet. Good job. Boom. <laughs> Boom is not the title of one of the episodes.
1: <laughs> <It> should be. <laughs> so uh, let's let's follow what we did last time. I think we're going to do a two-sectioned episode. We're going to talk first about things that worked for us in these episodes, and then we're going to talk about stuff that didn't work for us in those episodes. We'll give you a warning when we're going to get to the stuff that didn't work for us, because if you don't want to listen to that. We understand. You can fast forward. But we're going to conclude this episode by actually talking about some Supergirl fanfic that we've been enjoying. Last week, we talked about Supergirl comics. Today, it's Supergirl fanfic. I'm excited about it, Chris. I know. I think we have generally been
0: more excited about the fanfic updates than the new episodes. Which is kind of sad.
1: But (laughs) we are first going to talk about what worked for us in these episodes. So why don't you start us off, Chris, what worked for you in these episodes?
0: Okay, I rewatched most of these episodes just recently in preparation for doing this. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say, the only part of 2.14, which is um, Homecoming, the, Mm -hmm. the return of Jeremiah Danvers, that episode, the only thing I really fully liked in that episode was Maggie Sawyer.
1: Because Alex and Maggie's storyline, I think, continues to be a real strong point for this season. I mean, not only in 2.14, but we see other parts of her story coming back and getting more, not coming back, but, you know, getting more character development, more backstory on her. That was the order of the words that I meant to say. Backstory, not story back. <laughs> story back. Hmm. <laughs> in, in the subsequent episodes as well. And I, I do think that they continue to be one of the strongest written pieces of the season.
0: Yes, and it's kind of a shame that we don't have more of it, Mm. because what we have is is really strong. And I think why I liked it so much in that particular episode is that like they are very supportive of one another. Yeah. And it just makes me happy to see it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it feels like the beginning of their relationship, we were seeing Alex kind of having to deal with some of her stuff, you know, trying to be a good partner for Maggie. And and now we're getting the complimentary portion of that. We're seeing Maggie having to deal with some of her issues and Alex getting to be supportive of her. And I think Alex is able to be in that place with her because Maggie was so supportive of her as well in the beginning. So it's a nice, really complimentary aspect of their relationship, I think.
0: Right. Especially since Maggie did sort of start off the relationship with, look, I am here for you, but... But really, you need to talk to me. Yeah, and so I like that, especially in episode two seventeen, distant Sun, The yeah, the tables were turned,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Alex basically said the same thing to her. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm glad that we're actually getting more character development for Maggie because it's kind of taken a while.
1: It has, and and I think clearly from from how she was introduced in this show, it doesn't seem like she's going to share much of the backstory of Maggie Sawyer from the comics if people aren't aware maggie sawyer in the comics like she was married before she has a daughter a young daughter who she doesn't get to see very much Married to a man we should say married to a man we should say yes married to a man she has a young daughter with that man and she did not get custody of her daughter when they separated and so i from the way that they've set up this maggie sawyer i was not expecting them to really follow that blueprint for the character very much if at all and so it's good that we're actually getting some some backstory for this version of maggie sawyer like what her her past was like for her Hmm. I also like this element of their relationship that they've introduced a couple times now that, that Maggie is kind of like a hippie crunchy granola type of person Like she does yoga and she wants Alex to eat vegan ice cream <laughs> and, and, and Alex is just like no <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I think when we first meet them maybe people think that Maggie's maybe more of a little bit of a wild child that Alex no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Maggie wants to do yoga and be asleep on the couch watching TV by about nine PM. I think.
0: <laughs> oh, me too, Maggie.
1: <laughs> and I, I really loved the the storyline that they got in *Distance* and because I, I liked when Alex showed up to sort of like confront—I forget her ex's name—but you know her ex-girlfriend who you know made Maggie feel bad about herself. It was just like so very protective, Alex. But I, I like that. At the same time, though, it was never Alex being jealous of her or something like that. But she did feel like, hey, you made my girlfriend feel bad. That cannot stand. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Emily? I want to say it's Emily. That sounds right. Yeah. But it it just felt like a very Alex storyline to me.
0: Alex is incredibly protective of the people she loves. Mm -hmm. This is characteristic number one on the Alex Danvers characteristic chart (laughs) that I keep. No, I don't.
1: And and I like how uh confident Alex seems to be nowadays in their relationship. She had a couple of uh well, at the end of, of Distance on where she's like, Yeah, you are lucky to have me and and they also had another cute moment in the police station after I think Maggie just jokingly threatened Win when Win like put his hand on her shoulder and she's like, I'll throw you to lock up just for fun. And they're like, I I scared him <laughs> I was like you did not care as much as I did, but she good, good job. <laughs> I love Alex as, like, Wyn's threatening older sister figure. I don't know why. I just, I like that dynamic a lot between the two of them. I think a lot of people do.
0: I know I do. <laughs> it's fun.
1: I also really enjoyed in the episode where Wyn found out that Lyra was involved with the art thieving ring, where he's like, and I have the proof bruises to show from, you know, their encounter at the do museum. Do not show Alex, me where they are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I loved that moment. <laughs>
2: it's
1: a good moment. Mm -hmm.
0: Speaking of Alex, can we talk about episode 215, which is Exodus and all the Kara-Alex scenes?
1: This one was most definitely my favorite of this group of episodes. I thought this was an extremely solid old-school Supergirl episode. (laughs) If I can call a year ago (laughs) old-school.
0: I mean, at this point. (sighs) Yeah, I I agree. This episode was, of this batch, I feel, the strongest. Mm -hmm. It dealt most with the themes that they'd set up at the beginning of the season. It repaired the rift between Kara and Alex that they'd set up in 2.14, which we will get to in the second half of this episode. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I just...
1: uh,
0: I don't even... I don't even know.
1: This show... Manages to make me not hate those cheesy scenes where people are talking through glass and they, you know, put their hands on the glass and they overlap hands. I usually find those incredibly cheesy and I roll my eyes. But both times Alex has done that because she did it with Jean back in season one. And then this time with, with, with Kara in Exodus when, when she was trying, Kara was trying to nonsensically, but trying to shove the ship back down. (laughs) But okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> I mean,
0: she freeze breathed the uh, the little thing that was shooting at her. I am just uh-huh. do that to the
1: engines, at least a couple of them, right? I would think so. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> but in that moment, I mean, they're looking at each other through the glass, and you know, I, it, and and they touch hands. I it was genuine emotional moment for me. So kudos to the show for making me not think those moments are cheesy.
0: Actually, can we talk about the music in that scene? Yes. You haven't gotten there yet, (laughs) but that is the same music from uh, the big finale of season one. Mm. Uh, I I have the soundtrack for season one, and I listen to it kind of a lot. And so it's called Lifting Fort Ross is the name of it. And so it's like the big heroic feat of of season one, like the big one at the end.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So to sort of have that mirrored here, really... At least for me, it kind of, like, it, it ups the stakes, you know? Right. Because it's, like, this moment of not losing her sister, it's it's weighted the same, musically speaking, mm-hmm. as literally saving the world <laughs> in the first season.
1: Oh, I know.
0: Or at least saving National City. I don't remember if it was the whole world. But anyway, there's a lot riding on it, is what I'm saying.
1: I have and feelings, even, Stephanie. So do I. This episode gave me many feelings. Uh, but because I'm me, to <laughs> talk about the things I liked about the episode, besides the feelings-giving part, which I did enjoy, <laughs> I thought that the way that the episode was structured and in, in a writing perspective worked really well for me. Because in this episode, you clearly have Alex and Kara on these like parallel storylines. They're dealing with the same problem, but they're kind of going about it in their own way because they're... In a fight, essentially. But they... No! <laughs> but even though, even though they end up in the same place at the same time and, you know, need each other to fix the problem. Yes!
0: And-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is obviously totally something that we dig about this show, is that strong relationship between the two of them and the importance of that relationship between the two of them. Uh, but I thought it was really kind of fascinating the endings of those episodes because you know their paths are kind of separate but parallel they meet up for the climax but then they kind of diverge again for the conclusion makes no sense to me <laughs> cuz right alex goes back to to jean to sort of face the consequences and jean apologizes to her and kind of lets her off the hook honestly i think he let her off the hook too easy cuz clearly she crossed a line beating up that guy well cuz it's
0: like okay but jean was right she was clearly over the line and he was worried she was going to do something reckless which she did
1: (laughs) yes yes well i think that i can understand him apologizing for pretending to be jeremiah and tricking her that way because that must be like a big betrayal of trust right when you have somebody who can shapeshift like that i feel like he recognizes that that is a big betrayal of somebody's trust to like trick somebody he's close with in that way so I, I understand him not feeling okay about his decision to do that, but yes, he was he was right, right? He he got what what was going to happen with Alex, and while like I can see him reinstating her, I feel like she should have been on probation for <laughs> at least a while longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, gone through some anger management training, something, <laughs>
0: right? Maybe they sent her to Pam, the HR lady.
1: Maybe, but so you know, I I. I'm glad that they reconciled and it was a sweet moment and I like that scene, but I did feel like she maybe needed to be punished a little bit more. Yes. But cut to her and Maggie at the end of that episode where Maggie clearly, you know, she's kind of joking and she's being sweet with her, uh, but being very supportive and like getting how important having that job for her is. And, you know, it's this really nice supportive, like, oh, and they walk off into the sunset and like Maggie is respectful and she doesn't sort of like initiate Affectionate contact in the workplace until Alex tells her it's okay. Like it's a very nice scene, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have where Kara ends up, where she loses her job as she should have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Snapper was right, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. That one ends with this whole well, maybe having Monel and like, it will be enough for her. You know, being Supergirl and having Monel will be enough with her, and that felt a little weird to me.
0: It did, and contrary to basically everything they've always said on this show, and I don't understand at all. And we probably should save this for the later section of the episode <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to get too angry right now, and it's going to make me.
1: <laughs> so the endings were interesting to me but i'm not entirely sure what to make of them mm-hmm. because i i'm not entirely sure if the writers know where they're going i i just i feel a little a little uh discomfort with the the writers uh, trajectory in this season so i'm not agree. entirely sure what to make of those those final two scenes even though they clearly were paralleling the sisters' journeys. Throughout the episode, they, they ended in very different places. And I felt like the portrayal of their relationships were, were quite different. So I
0: agree. And they've done that a number yeah. of times this season. Mm-hmm. And I honestly can't tell what they think they're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the way I'm reading it doesn't quite match up with what
1: they're telling me. Right. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. But we'll get there. <laughs> I was glad to see the return of Brian in 2.15. I, I, I thought it was a, a funny scene that he got to be to be part of. <laughs> and Brian the alien, I should say. Mm-hmm. That's his name, right, Brian? Yes, go away, Brian. Okay. Yes, go away, Brian. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and I, I was actually kind of surprised that Maggie was willing to sort of help Alex the way that she did. I, I was hoping... I was hoping that she might talk her out of it, but I don't know. I think maybe she knew Alex was going to do it anyway and was trying to help her. That was how I was reading it, yeah. Because, I mean,
0: if Kara can't convince Alex of something, I kind of feel like Alex isn't going to be convinced. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Maggie knows Alex well enough to know how stubborn she is. Mm-hmm. and she's going to do it regardless and at least if maggie is supportive and goes with her and does the stupid thing with her at least there will be a safety net of some kind right i guess
1: and i know it probably had to do with something really boring like shooting schedules and things like that but i was surprised that maggie didn't keep going with her to the ship i know with that weird on. line
0: about uh, i have to do this on my own i'm like are are you Arnold Schwarzenegger in a 90s action movie? Like, what is happening?
1: Yeah, it just it surprised me that Maggie didn't go with her when she went to do the really dangerous stuff. Like, she kind of helped her with the less dangerous things. You're not like John McClane from Die Hard, Alex.
0: Take backup, for goodness sake.
1: I mean, I guess her backup was all the bombs she planted. How much of a bad... Nah, was Alex in that moment? I, I mean, she had her cute little backpack and she looked pretty adorable. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> She was like, I've set up all of these bums. And, ah. Oh, Alex, I love you when you get nasty.
0: <laughs> Casually tossing aside her dead man switch. You know. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> oh, golly. She does. She does think that she's in a Die Hard
1: movie. I think she might. She might.
0: (laughs) So, Deborah also sent us a voicemail talking about two fifteen, especially contrasted with episode two
2: fourteen. Hi, this is uh, Deborah calling from Texas to talk to Chris and Stephanie and Annie about Supergirl. I really liked this week's episode, particularly much better than the week before. I felt like the week before was basically a whole episode that was like dudes talking to dudes, dudes talking about dudes, and dudes talking at women and women listening to dudes talking through them, which I'm not really all that excited about in general, but also given that I watch the show with my kids, and I keep recommending it to people who have daughters and saying, you got to watch the show, because it's got all these really strong women characters, and they're not just all about dudes, and they're strong, and they're working together, and they're all their own heroes. So I feel like this episode really got back on that track a lot, not completely, but somewhat. I'm kind of wondering if the show is sort of mirroring a little bit of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2 kind of scene, like Kara's going to be left kind of on her own and have to find her strength in herself and do it on her own and then realize the value of the people that are around her that have sort of faded away and can that get pulled back. Anyway, the other thing about this week's episode that I thought was really valuable, like I say, we watched the show as a family with our 9-year-old daughter and our 13-year-old son the show made some really excellent points that were great discussion points about racial profiling, fake news, the importance of journalism, uh, even the refugee crisis. I felt like these it was not hard to see a lot of parallels between what happened in the show, what's happening in our country right now, and to be able to have really valuable conversations about that with our children is just is really tremendous. And I I can't think of another show on TV currently that we watch with our kids that I'm seeing that going on. um, Those are my thoughts. I hope I kept it under three minutes and I'm looking forward to hearing the podcast. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Yeah, Deborah, I don't know if they're doing a thing like they did in Buffy. I hope they're not because I felt for a while like they were going to, but now she seems to mostly have reconciled with people and they're still not as close as they were. But, but there was a game night. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're in some sort of weird limbo relationship-wise on this show. It bothers me.
1: But I, I feel like Chris very much agrees with you about your, your comments about episode 214. Yes. Are we going to get to that later, Chris? We will
0: get to that later. <laughs> okay.
1: To come. But before we leave 215, we have to mention... <laughs> The luminous, the <laughs> glorious, the very nicely coiffed and dressed Lena Luther.
0: <laughs> She's just so great, and I
1: feel She's, I feel like she this is. season
0: Lena Luther is like the harbinger of a good episode,
1: right? Because she was in two fifteen, really good episode. That is, she wasn't in these other episodes. Yeah, not so great. <laughs> This With is the exception of maybe the the musical episode, but we'll get to that one. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I think I even liked 215 maybe more than the musical episode. But... Oh,
1: I I did too. 215 definitely pentacle. So Lena Luther, 215, great episode, Harbinger of good episodes. And I
0: think is our is our theory. I think our last episode, the one we liked best, was Luther's. Luther's, yep. <laughs> it's like I'm <laughs> detecting a pattern here. It might just be that we mostly really like Lena Luther, but I kind of think it's not just that. I don't know. They
1: were well-structured episodes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the period of the episode where Chris and I, we discuss our love of Lena Luthor. In a very giggly manner, apparently. Yes. We're like our- Kara
0: when it comes to <laughs> Lena Luthor. We just kind of get nervous and giggly and, and blush
1: a lot. Yes. So if that's not something you're into, fast forward a little bit. So... <laughs> <laughs> There was another, yet another Lena Lois Lane parallel in 215. Because Carr comes and catches her and carries her bridal style, quote unquote, over the the edge of her balcony to safety. I mean, Damsel in Distress. Mm hmm.
0: It's a thing. (laughs)
1: It's. (sighs) Because I'm doing this. I really, truly think this is the first time we've seen Supergirl carry somebody like that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. But I just don't recall her doing that with anybody else. At least not one of the main characters. Because I I recently, because I'm going back through season one. I'm up to episode two or 118. Yes, I've made so much progress since our last episode.
0: (laughs) Only two left. (laughs) And in the half that you're probably through. How you stop at a ha- at a midway point in an episode, I don't understand. But that's, I'm sorry. that's a subject for another <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> but I saw the episode where she and James fly to the Fortress of Solitude. And there's a little, you know, digital insert of them flying. And James is at her side. And it looks like she has maybe her arm around his waist or something. But he's flying beside her. She's not carrying him. And and that's the only person I can think of who's like a main character on the show or a recurring character on the show that she's she's flown with like that, and she did not carry him the way she carried Lena.
0: Right. There was the thing too in in the flashback to their childhood with Kara and Alex. Mm. But also not a bridal style carry, as I recall.
1: So I I I just don't know how we're supposed to feel about these Lena and Lois Lane parallels. It's kind of confusing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean when she's dating Monel, like if she were dating Lena, it would be clear. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. But because Car is dating Monel, I'm kind of like, what is happening? What are we supposed to be There are
0: oddly romantic overtones getting- to a lot of their interactions.
1: Did you see that La Car returned the lip bite, Chris? Everybody was- saw. Everybody who
0: has internet access has seen this. <laughs>
1: There was mutual, well, okay, not at the same time, but there was return of the lip bite. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently, they go on lunch dates now. And Lena came to get Kara, even though Lena is arguably the more busy of the two of them. You know, she's CEO of a company; her time is pretty precious. She came to get Kara, and then when Kara wasn't ready, she was all kombucha can wait.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She was. It must be love. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about your problems Kara, and how i can help you kombucha can wait
0: <laughs> she was she was immediately supportive and like how can i help
1: yes because lena luther is great
0: which again more parallels the relationship between alex and maggie mm-hmm. i'm just saying
1: mm-hmm.
0: i'm just saying <sighs> supportive relationships
1: we- we're into them we're into them so into them <laughs> So let's talk about the musical episode. Unless there was more Lena Luther to <laughs> I was just, I was just do. sitting here thinking, was
0: there anything else I wanted to say about Lena? Because you know what? Probably.
1: I, I I I did really enjoy the scene on the balcony when she was like, how supergirl, how did you know that I needed help? Oh, I was having coffee with Cara Danver. <laughs> well, that was lucky. <laughs> that was lucky. <laughs> Katie McGrath's face.
0: I enjoy Katie McGrath's <laughs> face. <sighs>
1: Maybe she doesn't, but it feels like Lena knows, because Kara is such a bad liar about these things.
0: I mean, she flew flew there on on a bus. (laughs) bus.
1: She flew on a bus.
0: (laughs) And, like, Lena's a genius, you guys. She's real smart. (laughs) (sighs) Can I rant for a second about one thing? Okay. Even though we're in the things that worked for a section. The, the traitor secretary or whoever the employee was who, who was not Jess was, we would like that's to point what I was gonna out. say Not <laughs> Jess apparently some people thought it was Jess. No she specifically calls her Alana
1: Alana. Why they had to go with another name that sounds so much like another prominent character in the Superman world I don't know but her name was Alana. It was not Jess Jess. Loyal Jess, she has not betrayed Lena Luthor. (laughs) It's a different
0: Asian, you guys.
1: (laughs) They don't all look the same. Stop it. That's all I'm saying. I will say, though, in defense of the... Well, not in defense. In support of the people who are saying, maybe it's just Katie McGrath's face, and Lena's not flirting with, with Kara, she does give Alana a pretty flirty look over her shoulder it's more
0: amused
1: than flirty but uh it's still pretty out flirty. of context sure <laughs> i've repurposed that flirty look gif for my own means so in my head <laughs> she was looking at car
0: <laughs> i think i i first saw it with no context i was like clearly she's looking at Kara. oh wait no she was looking at alana <laughs> traitorous
1: alana I, I have read on Tumblr. Let me make clear, because I feel like sometimes people attribute other people's ideas to us. I've read on Tumblr. This was not my idea. This was a Tumblr person's idea. Uh, that the reason she gives her that look is she she's looking at her. Because re- she's the
0: same age as Alana.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And Alana's saying, I don't remember this. I was too young. And Lena's all like, Psh, I was attending board meetings then, you baby. <laughs> like <laughs> I was probably halfway through MIT or whatever. <laughs> So it was kind of that being young is no excuse type of look maybe. I support that headcanon. But let's talk a little bit about the the musical crossover episode cuz I actually on the whole really enjoyed the the musical. It was
0: it was good fun. It was good fun, which I feel like is just kind of true when Barry and Kara are together.
1: Yes, and this time the dumb old Oliver Sorry, Era fans, I do not like Oliver. <laughs> Dumb old Oliver wasn't around to to pull the mood down. It was just Kara and Barry being buddies, being adorable together. I really wish they could hang out more often. It would be fun, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like Barry's relationship with Kara is is quantitatively different than the relationships that he has with his friends on his own show. And so it, it does Quantitatively, feel like- not qualitatively. Thank you. Qualitatively different <laughs> is what I meant to say. Thank you, Chris, than the relationships that Barry has with his friends on his own show, because it, it, they have a very similar, I think, outlook on life, Kara and Barry. They they are very simpatico and as well as having superpowers themselves, like they, they just, I don't know, they really, they really uh, vibe with each other, but not in a Cisco vibing way, <laughs> the, the regular vibing way. There is sort of a, a nice, I don't know.
0: There's a lightness to their interactions Mm-hmm. because they do have a lot in common, and there's not there's not angst or tension there, and it's
1: nice. No, it is really nice. I, I, I they just they had so many moments, just like, oh, you guys, I just hug you both <laughs> same time group hug because yeah, they were like, we're gonna stop you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I liked them uh, together a lot. Another favorite moment between the two of them was when they were kicking down the door. Because Barry was all, stand back, I'm going to kick the door down. And Carl's like, no, I'm going to kick the door down. It's like, this it wasn't a gender thing. I just wanted to kick it down quickly. Okay, together. <laughs> we kick the door down together. Like, Togetherness makes me happy. Friendship. And their song was all about friendship. I, I think their friends. duet was definitely the highlight of the musical episode oh,
0: for me. Absolutely. That was my very favorite part of the whole thing.
1: Which we shouldn't be surprised at, because it was written by Rachel Bloom, who is the the musical genius behind Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and well, and even just though, the like,
0: creative genius behind C- Crazy Ex Girlfriend.
1: Yes, uh, I've seen some of Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and like I can't decide if I like the show as a whole because the characters are pretty much all terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. However, I do think the musical numbers on that show are always really clever and really catchy and just a delight. And that's what this one was, too. It's true. (sighs) It has a double meaning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I may have downloaded that song and I listened to it at least once a day.
1: (laughs) Just once a day, Chris? I said at least. At least twice a day, I think, is more accurate.
0: Probably. I don't know. It depends. It depends on how my day's going.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I also have to shout out, because I have a huge crush on him. I I loved seeing Darren Chris and his adorable curly hair. I was so happy that he had good hair on this episode, because Glee Watchers out there, (laughs) it made me real mad what they did to his hair over the course of that series. (laughs) The The helmet head? The helmet head, because in season two, when he first shows up, he has, yes, clearly, you know, he uses hair product, and it's it's fine, but it's still nice and curly, he had some volume, and then it just, like, got shellacked farther and harder down the longer he was on that show, and it made me super upset, guys, because he has adorable hair.
0: (laughs) I was most amused by the Music Meisters', like, Hypnotoad eyes.
1: Yes, I thought that (laughs) Like, oh, he's the Hypnotoad.
0: <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, it's a Futurama reference.
1: I'm wondering, though, if they have any intentions of bringing him back, because he wasn't truly, like, a villain. And or was it, he? I don't know. I don't know, stone. but in it, in, in it it and honestly didn't feel like we really got to know him. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel he a didn't little... He didn't take his shirt off, is what I'm saying, Chris. He needs to come back and take his shirt off. No, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs>
0: This took an unexpected turn for me.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I-, I feel like maybe they left the door open for the Music Meister to return. Maybe not. Maybe that wasn't their intention. But I, I did feel like I could have I used more info about the Music Meister.
0: I was surprised that he wasn't in the episode more. Yeah. But he's basically a plot device.
1: Mm-hmm. And I I must say, I did enjoy how they set up the musical episode. I was kind of dreading the musical episode going into it. I know you were. Spoil (laughs) sport. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love the Buffy musical episode. And if they had done something similar, where a villain came to town, which caused everybody to burst out into song, that would work in the context of of this world but i don't particularly like it when there's just random singing and dancing inserted into a non-musical world so i like that they were in like a separate reality that was a musical rather than them trying to have everyday life turned into a musical Mm -hmm. except for the very end which was okay and really sweet when barry proposed to iris i got emotional because, and that was okay to me because they had established before that he's a good singer, and that was like a big important moment where he was proposing to her for the right reasons. Like, okay, this is okay. Stop it. Stop it. I'm not crying. <laughs> Shut up.
0: <laughs> and also, yeah, I mean, that was like relevant to the situation that they just come from. So,
1: yes, yeah.
0: They grounded it sufficiently in reality.
1: I did also enjoy that in the musical reality that Iris had two dads. yes, I'm probably wrong, but I, I did kind of wonder if that was a nod to either the fact that Jesse L. Martin is probably most famous in a Broadway setting for for originating a role in rent in which he played a gay man or if it might have been a nod to Rachel Barry, that's kind of a stretch <laughs> frankly <laughs> since both he uh, both um. Melissa Benoist and Grant Gustin were on Glee, but I I did enjoy that Iris had two dads in the musical reality.
0: Hmm. Not because Victor Garber's gay?
1: That too. Like, there were so many layers that could go, (laughs) that could have contributed to that choice. But I I thought that was kind of sweet. Do you have a problem with that? No. (laughs) (laughs) I like musicals. (laughs) And I thought that that Melissa Benoist did a lovely rendition of Moon River as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I was a little disappointed that they didn't have them sing together more.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. And and it, it kind of did feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it was just the, the way that they produced the song, but it, it felt like maybe Melissa Noist was holding back a bit when she was singing Moon River. Mm-hmm. And it may have just been the way they directed it. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. And, and that might have been a choice because Kara is not supposed to be like a professional singer type. She's just somebody who... They insinuated, at least, like has a good voice,
0: and they had the line written in there that she was flat in a few spots,
1: yes, etc. Yes, so I I feel like she could have done an even more fantastic version of Moon River were that appropriate for the sketch, but for the uh, for the script, but you know, I understand maybe why they did a a tamer version.
0: Yep, because yeah, I mean, situationally, she's like,
1: "What is happening? What is happening?" <laughs> I just wholeheartedly feel like both both The Flash, I'm going to say it too. The Flash and Supergirl, I would like it more if they incorporated more casual song and dance, like Jane the Virgin does. I would watch it. Yes. Because people sing and dance in their daily life. It doesn't have to be a big production number. Like, just, just have her singing more. It'll be fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm now thinking of the various scenarios where that would happen. They're amusing me. (laughs) But let's move on before this episode gets super long.
1: Okay, okay. But speaking of Barry and Kara being totally lovable together, Kara had several moments of being a lovable goofball, which is why part of the reason why we all love her so much. Uh, But my favorite lines were definitely when she was, I'm ready to Nancy Drew the crap out of this, or something like that. And she was doing like this sassy little finger waggle. It was great. Like
0: the little arm swing with the, yeah. Mm hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unless I'm misremembering that,
1: which is entirely possible. And of course, the, the, hey, that's me! <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're, sweetheart, you're being sought after by
0: assassins, but it is hey, you! It's me! <laughs> <sighs> did, did Kara basically just be like, it me! <laughs>
1: And then of course her enthusiasm about breakfast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me too, man. I <laughs> bacon! <laughs> Do I smell hash browns?
1: <laughs> and then she said bacon, like the dog from the Bacon Strips commercial. I love her so much. I'm so glad that they let Melissa Noist be so goofy as Kara. Like I it makes me so happy. Me too. Mm. I love her so much, Stephanie. I know.
0: And also, that quiz says I'm her. <laughs> so, am I just really self-involved? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Somebody's like,
1: yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Jean for a little bit, because you know Jean's got to be part of our work. What worked for us? Part because I love Jean. Jean's great. Jean's good people. More Jean. More Jean. Because not only was he like being protective space dad as he does. It made me happy that he got to like telepathically battle that bounty hunter guy. I don't know why, but I was just super psyched about that scene. It's like, oh, John, John can take him, and he did.
0: <laughs> Darn right he did. <laughs> why don't they let him be more awesome more often?
1: I also like the moment in Flash when he revealed himself to be Martian Manhunter, where it's like Cisco's all like, I respect what you do with the DEO and all, but I feel like, oh. <laughs> You are more than you appear, sir. I apologize. <laughs> <sighs> yeah,
0: I don't. I don't have anything to add. I just. I also really like Jean,
1: and like he went through the portal and he fought Monel's mom to you know because Kara was worried about the kryptonite daggers. Even though she went it after that, Kara, you, oh, I love you, but sometimes you're very foolish. But just, John being a good guy. Like, I like John a lot.
0: He has gotten to go as backup on missions a fair amount recently.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. Usually he's back in command center and things like that, but he's been more backup recently. But like, which in, is nice. In
0: two fourteen, he went with Kara to go get Jeremiah, and I said, I said Jeremiah for some reason.
1: Jeremiah to go like get John Jones. I know
0: to go get <laughs> Jeremiah.
1: It's hard to say. I also wanted to shout out, cause we're about to do, as you all probably know is coming, we're about to do a lot of griping about Monal. I just want to shout out Chris Wood's comedic timing. This guy's real funny. He's a great comedic actor and he made me laugh several times in, in these episodes, especially in the last one. He had a couple of lines that just made me cackle. I liked his line about the helicopter parenting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that was a great delivery. And then later on when, when was commenting on his like, use of the culinary word bar." he's like i cook now (laughs) made me laugh he's he's a really good comedic actor and and i wish that he was he was used in that regard a bit more than he he currently is rather than the romantic lead i
0: was gonna say they they introduced his character that way and i kind of wish they'd kept it more in that vein because because
1: he's good at it he's really good at it
0: he is most entertaining to me in that context
1: yeah so chris wood we do like your comedic timing. We just don't like how your character's been written in other regards. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Which leads us into what didn't work for us. If you don't want even more complaining than we've already done, <laughs> like a lot more, stop it now or, or fast forward to the last, I don't know, five minutes, ten five, minutes,
1: five minutes or so, five, ten minutes or so. Yeah. Catch us, catch us later. We would understand. So what didn't work for us, Chris? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, in the notes, the first thing I wrote was, in all caps, go away, Monel. <laughs> so, Monel. I'm so frustrated about Monel.
1: Let's start with you, Chris. I think it's Chris sharing time. <laughs> because, <laughs> because while I feel like we are both frustrated with how Monel is being written, I feel like you have more frustration than I do. So I, I want you to share first about your frustration.
0: I mean, I think part of it is...
1: logically. So let's start with 2.14.
0: <laughs> Chronologically. <laughs> it's kind of all the same argument, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like we want to mention that in 2.14, it was pretty freaking frustrating that Monel did not listen to Kara when she's like, hey, I need you to do these things if you're going to be my boyfriend. And he wouldn't until Wynne told him to do it.
0: I mean, if we're gonna go chronologically, I have to start at the beginning of 2.14.
1: Okay, go for it.
0: Which follows up from the end of 2.13, where they reward Monel, the writers I'm talking about, by like, here, here is Kara making out with Monel on the couch, and that's how we're gonna end 2.13, and 2.14 starts off with Monel naked in Kara's bed, N- and it also starts off with me going, NO! <laughs> <laughs> I was I was literally yelling at the TV at the beginning of that episode. It it made me so mad. I mean, I'm not surprised really, but super furious about it. Cuz that's not like a thing they do on this show.
1: No, not usually. So that's why, unusual.
0: Why is this the first time we're seeing it and why mono? I don't mm-hmm. understand. After, especially after he behaved so badly, so, so badly in Mr. and Mrs. Mix's Piddleick. Right. Cause he was and terrible.
1: We, and we would, we would, we, we would also like to point out, as, as people who like to point out such things, Alex and Maggie have been dating for how long at this point and have yet to have a similar scene. It feels very unequal and not fair.
0: I mean, they had the cute morning after scene where Maggie was in Alex's shirt, but...
1: But they were in the kitchen. They were not in bed. It was very... It was a very different context, right?
0: Alex didn't know that Maggie was wearing her shirt until she got to the kitchen.
1: Yes. Yeah, I know. So it's like, if the show isn't going to do that kind of thing, which is fine, I am happy to watch a show that doesn't show two people in bed together. I was happier
0: when we didn't have this scene. Uh,
1: yes. Like, that that is way happier. Fine. But to, to have it be first Cara and Monal, it feels ugh,
0: icky. It does. It, it I just, especially in the context of what had happened before that. Yeah. It is really honestly deeply upsetting to me.
1: I know. I'm sorry. <sighs> I know.
0: Thank you. I just the the show, especially in these episodes, feels like it's really become centered around Monel this season.
1: Yeah, especially in this arc, these past four episodes, it's been very Monel focused.
0: And it shouldn't be. No, the show is called Supergirl. The show is not Monel and his super girlfriend. Like, because that's what it feels like now, and it's deeply bothersome to me which i keep saying
1: but it is yeah
0: but yes you're right the other thing that really really bothered me in that episode is that kara repeatedly asked monel to do things like not even telling him but asking him i feel very reasonably and giving him reasons to do things or or to not do things and he never listened to her
1: until when tells her tells him excuse me Maybe you should listen to Kara.
0: (sighs) And then he's like, you know what? That's a brilliant
1: idea that I've never heard before.
0: (laughs) I never would have come up with by myself, probably.
1: Thanks, fellow white dude. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. It kind of feels that way. Yeah.
0: It kind of feels that way a lot. Yeah. (sighs) Because the other thing that is really bothering me about... His character generally, the, the way the show is being written, they keep telling us how much he's changed or that he's changed. And I'm like, but has he? Because, like, you keep telling us that, but please show that to us, right?
1: For me, I think after having seen 217, at the end of 217, I was at the point where I thought, okay, I can see where he seems to have reflected on how he was before. Recognize that there are things that he does not feel comfortable about now. He does seem to have had a a, a refocusing of his worldview. Like I, I, I can mm-hmm. see that they have shown us that with the argument that he had with his father. Because like Kara wasn't around, he was not trying to impress her or anything like that. He was just with him and his father. So I can I can see that. But the thing that bothers me, I think is that it feels like he has only changed because of her. And he's essentially said as much. And I suppose that's not a terrible thing, but it also feels like they should not have been in a romantic relationship before at least the end of 217. Like, at the end of 217, I'm like, okay, maybe now he and and Kara are perhaps kind of at the same point morally. Not quite, but, like, he's getting much closer. And so, like, okay, at this point, maybe if they were going to go for a relationship between the two of them, now I could maybe see it. But it was, it's really difficult for me to root for them at this point because it feels like he got just rewarded for baseline standard humanity (laughs) at the best and terrible behavior at the worst. And so it's really difficult for me to root for them as a couple.
0: Yeah. And part of the thing too is the changes that we've seen because i agree with you like okay at this point maybe i wouldn't have hated it if they'd started a relationship but the fact that they started it way before this and he was terrible
1: mm-hmm. like immediately I'm, after they became a couple he was terrible to her immediately
0: before and immediately after yes i assume you still haven't watched mr and mrs mix's piddalick
1: no but i have seen that's <laughs> I I have context for the worst of his behavior, I feel like. Or at least some of his worst behavior.
0: Yeah, it was gross.
1: Yeah. It was gross to watch. But
0: part of what bothers me, too, is like this change that we've seen. It just feels a little disingenuous to me Mm. because these things that he's, these qualities that he's praising in Kara are the things that he used to belittle her for. Yeah. Remember when he was yelling at her Mm -hmm. about being various things
1: yes selfish and <laughs> blah 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 yeah no and- i mean he was talking
0: about how it you know she it's so annoying that she's so good and whatever and i'm paraphrasing
1: right well and that's kind of where because i really have been trying to be open-minded because like i i, I get it like i don't Particularly like the guy. I, and I, and I do, even though I, I don't think that the show needs to go there or will go there, like, I, I do like the idea of Kara being with Lena. I admit all those things. I have that bias. So I'm trying to be, like, open-minded about this guy and the fact that people can change, because I do believe people can change. And Kara believes people can change. I want to be like Kara. And <laughs> I just I feel like this is
0: written completely wrong if that's the story they want to tell. Yeah.
1: So like I'm trying to be open-minded about this guy, but I feel like even in in the most recent episode in Distant Sun, where he finally does kind of something kind of unselfish, like he doesn't really do it quite right. Like he's still so focused on Kara that he risks wins life, you know putting that hole in the window in his parents' spaceship and sucking out two perfectly, I mean, not innocent guards, they were attacking them, but he they were under his parents' employ. And if he's all like, oh, the monarchy has been corrupt and we need to treat our people better, like, why didn't those guards who got sucked out into the space, why didn't they get the benefit of the doubt? Like, it still feels like he, yes, he has more of a moral compass, but it's kind of like if he was away from Kara, would it still be there? I don't, no and because which is part of the thing too because like okay it's less selfish
0: but it's still selfish basically because he's doing this because this person he loves is in danger which isn't necessarily a bad thing don't get me wrong but right it's still because he loves her and he wants her
1: <laughs> you know what i mean right and and i and i can't help but compare his actions to Magan's ac- actions where she went back to Mars because even though she knew she could be killed, she was a wanted person, she disagreed with the the power structure there, she was willing to go back and try to change it. And then you have Monal who's like, no, like y'all are probably going to set up some messed up society that oppresses people, but I just don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> like, it, it's hard for me not to compare the two because they're in the same show, you know? <laughs> right. And and like, it's one of those things I
0: don't think it's unreasonable to feel that way, mm-hmm. to be like, I don't want to do that. Okay, that would be one thing, but also don't treat him like he's being heroic for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This is it, my issue. Yeah,
1: it, it does feel like the writing rewards him for being not a great person. Like, he's not necessarily being a bad person all the time either, but it, it's it's treating him like he's being heroic when he's kind of just being middle of the road. You know, <laughs> right. So uh, it's just it's very frustrating to me. And the, and the thing is, like, Kara clearly as a person has such a strong moral compass, and she does the right thing because she thinks it's right to do the right thing. Like, that's the reason she does what she does. And, and I want her to have somebody who has that same sense of morality. So for me to see her and monologist, just they just don't seem like a very good match you know, because, and granted, like, he finally, he didn't run, but, you know, that was kind of a a conflict that they explored back in, in We Can Be Heroes, where, where he's like, you keep running towards danger, that's foolish, we need to move away from it, and even though they've been dating for a while, and he, he seems to be kind of more understanding her values, and accepting them more as his values, what does he do when his parents come and send bounty hunters after her? he he says, we need to run, we need to go away. And she's like, we need to stay and talk to your parents. Like they they clearly just don't have the same values. And it it makes it difficult for me to root for them.
0: Agreed. I was going to say too, I mean, the fact that he thinks that's a plausible plan. And, you know, unless that plan involves taking like Alex and Jean and all the James people Kara loves. And Wyn, you know what I mean? Like This just, it's, she's never gonna go for it. No. Because that also is a selfish plan, dude.
1: Yeah. No. No. Though, I I will say, like, to his credit, because he was – because Kara made a comment about how – because he says, oh, nobody could change. And she says, you have. You've changed and blah, 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 blah. And I thought in my head, like, I'll only believe he changed if he actually, like, sacrifices himself and goes with his parents to keep them from hurting other people. And then he did. So I was like, okay, fine. Point, dude. (laughs) But but again, like, it still did not completely redeem him for me, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah i'm kind of like too little too late buddy
1: yeah i i i really think that's that's a lot of it it's just how they set him up as a character and how he related to Kara. it's just i i can't root for him it's really difficult for me to root for him he's got to he's got a really something big's got to happen for me to be able to be like yes i support this relationship i'm like
0: please take him away daxamites <laughs> get him off my show get him off supergirl's show yeah so it can be hers again
1: The other thing that really bugged me in, well, the musical moving into Distant uh is the fact that Kara just, like, hit undo on her breakup with him. And again, completely admit, I do not like Monella's romantic option from Kara. But even if I did, what bothered me the most about it was that so many people... Like basically they had an entire episode that insinuated that Kara was being unreasonable by being upset with Monel.
0: It makes no sense to me. I guess this is part of why I'm why my frustration has settled with Monel, because the writers are doing all these weird things to accommodate him, things like this, where they have people talk to Kara about how she needs to forgive him or needs to give him a chance or whatever. I mean, that was basically the entire structure of homecoming was like, ah, oh, Manel is right about Jeremiah not being trustworthy. None of that episode made any sense to me, Stephanie. I, I know. <laughs> Cause like, okay. He's got a robot arm. Apparently you have s- someone there with x-ray vision and they were doing medical tests on him. Jean can read minds.
1: Like, none of this makes any sense. Yeah, like, you can understand why especially Alex would be willing to kind of overlook suspicious stuff. You can understand where Kara, especially in the beginning, would be willing to overlook suspicious stuff. But when she grows suspicious of Jeremiah and doesn't suss out that he has a robot arm, when Jean doesn't note until, like, the convenient end of the episode, like, why can't I read your mind? It does feel very contrived to have Monel Mm -hmm. being the one saying, I just don't trust the guy. He doesn't know the guy. (laughs) Like, how does he know he's not, he's acting weird when he has no context? I mean, it's, I can get it from the perspective of,
0: like, okay, here's the person who's not already invested in this guy. That makes sense. But again, we have Monel being just really terrible in that episode but also being right and it kind of never feels like they actually reinforce the part where he's being a tremendous jerk right it's all about oh monel's right <laughs> but he's still a jerk he was still disrespecting kara and kara's wishes and i just i don't understand it i don't understand that relationship at all Again, it's not the only problem I have with the guy, but it's it's become such a big part of the show that I find it really frustrating.
1: And I'm really frustrated how the writers keep having Alex be the one who's telling Kara, like, oh, you need to give him another chance. Oh, blah blah blah. Like wh- why? I I don't I don't get it. Like, in this context where, where Alex was telling Kara You know, maybe he's just a guy who feels really guilty about his past and that's why he lied to you. Like, I don't understand why she's the one who is basically being like, he feels guilty. Isn't that enough? Like, are we supposed to assume that she feels empathy toward him because of the whole thing with Astra back in season one where she was concerned about telling Carr? Like, maybe I can get there, but. It just—it bothers me that they keep having Alex be the one who's pushing her toward. It's like them are out. they doing that thing where maybe because Alex is happy
0: in a relationship, yeah, now, that's the only thing I got like, too. She's like, you should be too. It doesn't matter that this guy is a terrible match for you. <laughs> Sometimes you find love in
1: unexpected places, <laughs> <laughs> like the garbage can where Monal from. <laughs> because I gotta say, like. Wynn actually was the person in that episode who I felt like gave Kara the best advice. Because, you know, clearly through that storyline with, with him finding out about Lyra and she had lied to him and, and, and all of that, like, Kara was seeing that and like reflecting on her feelings about Monel and him lying to her. But what Wynn says to her is that Monel has had his reasons for doing what he did and you need to decide if those reasons are good enough for you. Cause the thing is, I can understand why monel did what he did if he legitimately feels guilty about his past and the society he grew up in and he wanted to move on from that and get a fresh start like i can i can legitimately understand why he would be loath to tell Kara the truth about himself and i feel Mm -hmm. like even Kara can understand why he would lie she was able to understand why alex lied about astra for all of that time to her Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's this possibility where Kara can understand why he lied, but also feel like she still can't date him. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. where she could even right. forgive him for lying to her, but still feel like they couldn't date anymore. But that just felt like the the show took that completely off the table, and that made me upset. <laughs>
0: right. Well, and part of the thing too is in that episode, the the flash episode, the crossover. Monel continues to be a jerk who disrespects Kara's wishes because he's basically denying the fact that they broke up. Right. And Jean mentions it, and Monel like shushes him mm-hmm. about it. And I'm just kind of like, no, Mm-mm. no. Why was he even there? Why was Alex not there instead of Monel? That felt- which goes back to my why is Monel taking up all the important screen time?
1: <sighs> I- <sighs> I- <sighs> Given where the musical episode ended, I can understand why they would want him to be in the episode, but the idea that Kara would not have inserted Alex somewhere in that musical reality is completely impossible for me to accept. <laughs> like for, and, for all of the suspension of disbelief that requires, like that's the thing that kills it. Like seriously, Kara wouldn't put Alex in here somewhere? I really have difficulty believing that. Yeah,
0: you're you're right.
1: <laughs> Cuz even if like they had had monel play the part that he did in the musical fantasy but had inserted alex as like iris's mom instead of victor garber's character or somewhere else you know working at the club like that would make sense to me but just to not have her there at all it just doesn't feel right and i'm again i'm sure this is something probably stupid like paychecks and scheduling and all of that business is is, is part of why she wasn't why Kyler lee wasn't in the episode but it still felt off to yeah me. It- I hadn't really thought about it, but you're right because they establish
0: no. This reality came to be from your brains. Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. The fact that Alex wasn't the one who went to a different universe with Kara. Yeah. Kara is in danger. There is no way Alex is leaving her side. I just don't believe yeah. it. Especially since she broke up with Monel. Like Al- Alex, I feel like would just not stand for that. Yeah. Mhm. The real Alex, she has maybe been abducted by a pod person. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it, it was really it was tough to believe that she wouldn't have gone with them to the Flash Earth to deal with the situation if Kara was comatose. It was also really bothersome to me that 216 ended with Monel catching Kara and then it began with like him carrying Kara into the other one like ah, I'm giving you such hard side-eye show right now. I know, why not Jean? Yes, I would be fine. Because if, then if, it would
0: have been like a fatherly thing. Yes. And I would have been cool Me with Me too. It. Uh,
1: but having Monel be the one carrying her into the other realm. Like, uh, reinforcing. She just broke up with him. And reinforcing all of these gender stereotypes. Like if we're going to have Kara date a dude. I really wish that they would take the opportunity to maybe explore some of those things more, like to have a boyfriend who wasn't as strong as she was, and to show, show her carrying him as a change. Like, I would, that'd be cool, right? And that seems like something, at least the first season, the show would have done. But to have mm-hmm. Monel be carrying an unconscious Kara and, you know, damsel in distress really bugged me. Yep.
0: <laughs> I'm so mad about it still.
1: I know the episode 216 ended and he like catches her as she falls. And I think I yelled at my screen, this is some bullpucky. I did not say (laughs) bullpucky.
0: The whole thing just makes me really frustrated. And I just keep wondering, like, are they trying to maybe put this more in line with the existing, you know, arrow in the flash or something by making this white dude the center of the show? Are they trying um, to get that audience? Because if that is the thing, then they're losing their existing audience, I feel like.
1: Or, yeah, alienating a not small portion of it, yeah. Yeah. But since we're speaking of Kara and Monel's breakup, as well as the musical episode, let's share some feedback that we received from Kathy. Kathy said, Absolutely love the musical. A really magical Flash episode, and Kara and Barry are such fun together. However, Monel is not on the same level as Iris is for Barry, so I wasn't pleased that he was her Prince Charming. After the very pained but justified breakup in the previous episode, for all the reasons I'm sure you will have discussed, get back together in less than 24 hours? Just have to hope that the writers are paying attention that many people appear to be Monala verse. Next time, I want Alex and Allura singing.
0: That would have been great. I am so bummed that Laura Benanti isn't on the show anymore. When they announced the, the musical episode, it's like, ah, we missed our
1: chance. And, and that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it. In the way that Kathy put it, but I think that's a very good point. That and and I felt it personally, even as somebody who has not seen the season season two or the most of season three of The Flash, is that Barry and Iris they have been building toward that for an, a not insignificant amount of time. Like that relationship and them being really made for each other and meant to be together for a while. So like that felt real to me that Ale- that um, Iris could go into Barry's head and you know save him through her love. Like that felt real. But to have Monell be like the parallel for Kara, it didn't work because this guy's only been around for a little bit, you know. <laughs> so, and like she just broke up with him after being really frustrated with him for a long time. It would have felt more real to me if Alex had been the one to go in and save her with her sisterly love than Monell with his romantic love because that's the relationship that's been established that's on the same level as Iris and I feel and like if
0: they'd done this in season 1, that's what it would have been and I would have been much much happier with it, because that was the big love story of season one. It was the familial love that Kara and Alex had. Yeah, because that is important too. Writers, <laughs> I'm so frustrated.
1: Before we we move on from Monel, I, I did want to mention that I think we both had some issues with that fight between Kara and a mind controlled Monel in two seventeen. <sighs> yes.
0: I mean, I know a lot of people were really happy about the fact that they could get a gif of Kara punching Monel in the face. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, oh, this whole thing's making me cringe because they're hitting each other. But like, it's domestic violence, basically. Yeah, it,
1: it feels a bit like it's making light of, of intimate partner violence. And I think given Monel's this borderline, Definitely gaslighting, somewhat abusive, verbally abusive behavior back in in the episode with uh, Mr. Pick and Mix. It, it really left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, ugh, this this really does not. I can't. This is not fun. I think this is supposed to be kind of funny, but it's not. I cringed
0: for me. super hard through that entire sequence. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of cringing super hard, I mean, I'm excited that Terry Hatcher's on the show. I like Terry Hatcher, but she's playing Monelle's mom. It now it seems like she's been set up to be the big villain of the remainder of the season. And it's just like, now it's Supergirl versus her boyfriend's mom. And I feel weird about that. Mm. I don't like it. This whole notion of like the evil mother in law thing, mm. it just bugs me anyway, generally, like in anything. And the fact that that's the thing now, and apparently they're fighting over Monel or something, and I just. Mm.
1: Really, that guy? <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a bit uh, cringy and uh, playing on some tropes in, in regards to a women's relationship with their their partner's mother. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just I just gotta ask where oh where is Cat Grant? Because she's They can't seriously? have her around because
0: she never would have let Kara date Monero. Uh,
1: it 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 would have been she would have called him out on his nonsense. But she needs to come back and give Kara advice about her professional life. I, I, I really want more follow up on Kara being fired. I think we're gonna get
0: there in the next episode. I think Okay. But yeah, it feels weird that it was not that big of an issue in the last one. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean Kara seems
1: to be taking this really well, I think. I don't know. But let's play a voicemail that we we got uh, from Amy, who had some comments about this. Hey, guys. I just had a couple of comments about the most recent episode of Supergirl. I
0: just thought it was a little odd that uh, Kara wasn't more upset about losing her job uh, the show has really minimized the Kara and Catco storylines this season, and now she's been fired, which I don't like at all. Uh, I'd like to see next season return the focus more to Kara and Supergirl. Also, another note: um, when watching uh, the previews for episode 17, I was thinking that I was dreading uh, Kara and Monel getting back together in that episode. And then they got back together even sooner in the Flash-Supergirl crossover, which was the only thing that I didn't like about that episode. Otherwise, I thought it was really great. I, I think I pretty much agree with everything Amy said.
1: I actually don't mind Kara getting fired. I know that sounds weird, but I can see story-wise why that would be an interesting and a good thing to do. And like I said earlier, I feel like Snapper was right. He called her out for some inappropriate behavior. I still don't think that Kara had to do what she did, but anyway, that's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have we mentioned that some of the plotting in this season hasn't really worked for us? Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, But if they're going to fire her, it feels like there should be more follow-through on it sooner. Because, you know, back in season one, we were told several times, like, how important... Kara's job was for her, you know, Jean pretended to be Supergirl. Or was it the other way around? Or Kara? I can't remember now. He pretended it so to be that- Kara, as I recall, and it was hilarious. <laughs> so that you know, Cat wouldn't think that Kara was Supergirl, and and Kara could keep her her day job. So it's to have her be fired, and she seems to be taking it pretty in stride, like talking about her fun employment. It feels a little strange to me. So I'm hoping we're going to get more. And watching Game on of that.
0: Thrones, and maybe that's what it is. She's watching Game <laughs> of Thrones and thinking, at least my life isn't that bad. <laughs>
1: perspective. I have some.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily a bad plot point, but it's hard to say at this point because we haven't seen where they're going with it. And although I think Lita Luther is supposed to be in the next few episodes, at least. So Harbinger of good episodes. <laughs> Fingers crossed, everybody.
1: The promo for the next episode looks a little intense, Chris. It does,
0: but <laughs> Here's another thing, the the title for it, I don't think this is necessarily spoilery, is it? I don't know. Spoiler, title of the next episode, is Ace Reporter. Mm. So they are coming back to this storyline. I don't know where they're going to go with it, okay. but I'm excited to find out.
1: Maybe it's going to be a big reveal that Kara actually identifies as asexual. No? I know, <laughs> I've
0: seen Tumblr posts hoping as much. <laughs>
1: I don't think that's where they're going, guys. I mean if it means she
0: breaks up with Monel, I'm all for it. Oh,
1: I'm all for Car being asexual. I just don't think that that's that's where I mean going. that too. <laughs> Should we mention the snuggling in the promo? They're snuggling. <laughs> There's Carolina snuggling and we're there for it. <laughs> kombucha? It must be the kombucha. Got him a little tipsy. It can happen.
0: <laughs> I am drinking kombucha right now.
1: I just drink actual booze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drunk. I just dropped my cup. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the timing
0: of that, though. Perfect. Okay, so shall we talk
1: about Supergirl fanfic? Yes! Now that we've complained a lot. Let's talk about Supergirl fanfic. Okay, warning to, <laughs> to folks who are not into... The imagined potential relationship between Lena and Kara. These uh, fanfic. Well, I mean, there's were- a
0: relationship. Well, yes,
1: that romantic relationship, <laughs> there potential we go. romantic relationship between Lena and Kara. If you're not into that, these will not be for you. But if you are into that, or you're not bothered by that, we have a couple of fanfic recommendations that we're pretty excited about.
0: Which one shall we talk about first?
1: Supergirl and training.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Which i am enjoying a lot it is by wtf octagon uh we will include the link in our show notes it's available at least on archive of our own i don't know if it's available on fanfiction.net or where else it, it is
1: but the setup for this one is that Kara and lena's daughter from the future suddenly appears in their life because Lillian is after her. Lillian Luther is after 17-year-old her. 17 year
0: old daughter. We should, we should throw in there.
1: Yes. She is, she is a young adult. This girl appears kind of in the current context of the show. So it, it makes Lena and Kara confront the prospect of them potentially being married and having a child together. And it's, it's really good. I'm really enjoying the heck out of it. It is a
0: lot of fun.
1: It is. And I really like their daughter, uh, whose, whose name is, um, Lori. She's, she's a lot of fun. <laughs> I like her a whole bunch. And this is not a complete fanfic. They're still working on it and are on hiatus until mid-April. I know they had <laughs> exams, but why do they have to be on hiatus on the same time as the show, Chris? Just Ugh, bad. Just timing. keep rereading. Stupid school. I'm going to call their school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Go read their other fics. Fine. There is a spinoff fic for this series already.
1: I read that one already. <laughs> I don't think I've read that one
0: There's also one about just the secretary. The good secretary. Yes, the good secretary. (laughs) Um, Let's see. The title of that is Sunlit Honey and Lavender Sunsets. I enjoyed it. Stephanie hasn't really read that much of it. There's also a follow up to Sunlit Honey and Lavender Sunsets called Gold Crested Ravens and Cornflower Blue Mornings. I enjoy both of those.
1: Those are really wordy titles. (laughs) They are wordy titles. But definitely we we both heartily recommend Supergirl in training. It's it's good fun. There's quite a bit to read and and if you pace yourself, maybe you can make it until the next update.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't read like Stephanie does. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. And then the other one that that I like, and I think Stephanie likes it too. Oh no, I quite like okay, it. Okay. Is Who Will Win a Night with Supergirl by Yes Both Ways. Again, the link will be in our show notes. It is so feminist and I enjoy it. Like, what if the tags on it is feminist themes? Because <laughs> I, like, I read the title, and I was like, oh, I don't know. And then feminist themes was in the tags, and I'm like, tell me more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Relevant to my interests. Yeah, this is one, if if a lot of feminist processy stuff gets on your nerves, you're like, oh, annoying, this will not be for you. <laughs> yeah, don't read it. If you were into that... <laughs> this this is this is your comfort food and and this one is complete i will say and i think we both agree we we think it starts out stronger than it finishes as is the case with the show once monel shows up we kind of lose some interest <laughs> it's true <laughs> but it is a really solid fic in the first it's more than half probably the first two-thirds i mean we, we... i liked the
0: whole thing no, I, I just liked the beginning of it more
1: Yes, agreed. Agreed. And be sure, even if you if you take our advice and you read the first part and Monel shows up, you're kind of like, eh. Read the last chapter because they, rightly so, uh, came back and added an epilogue, focused more on Lena and Cara. So if you get to the Monel stuff, you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> skip to the last chapter, read that one. You will enjoy it. <laughs> But oh, oh, the setup for this one is it kind of implied by the title. As Supergirl is is offers or kind of gets roped into being auctioned off like a date with her for, is for auctioned charity. off for charity, and Lena buys the the date. But that does not go where you might think it might go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Again, with the feministy processing stuff.
1: Feminist themes. So those are both two that we really recommend. Both available on archive of our own. We'll put links to our show notes over at askgenreTV.com. And uh, yeah, go check them out if you are a fanfic type person. 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 Or a person. person. If you're a person.
0: <laughs> supergirl. <laughs> a person who is a supergirl fan.
1: Supergirl fan who doesn't mind some supercorp. <laughs> <laughs> you're so
0: punchy right now.
1: I'm going All that through. complaining, mm-hmm. yelling about more now. <laughs> I just if, said that really weird. If y'all have recommendations for some Supergirl fanfic, does not need to be Carolina centric. We will we will take any recommendations for good fanfic. We just happen to be a little Carolina obsessed, admittedly. <laughs> So that's what we've been reading a lot of. Please send them our way. We'll be happy to talk about them in some few- future episodes. We haven't really done this much before talking about outside of TV show stuff, but it's kind of fun. I think we're going to keep doing it. I hope so. Wish granted, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so if you have any other recommendations for Supergirl fan fiction you really like, send it our way. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Fanfic or fan art? Yes, we're into fan art too. Oh my gosh, so much fan <laughs> art! If you're not following Sango hyphen Blep and Leslie, L-E-S-L-Y, hyphen O. O-H. On Tumblr, do it. Also, plastic hyphen pipes. <laughs> I hate having to say the hyphen, but there's a hyphen! <laughs> and there's also uh, Foley PDX
0: does, oh, yes. does Supercorp fan art also. We should add mm-hmm. that, probably. All of this yes, stuff is Supercorp. All,
1: those are all Supercorp-focused. I hate that ship name. Guys, guys. Guys. Can I talk to y'all? I know the ship has sailed, and I gotta just live with Super Corp, but why did we not go for Super Luther? Like, it's in the line! Imagine that, a Super and a Luther working together. It's in the line! Instead, now they sound like a corporation. But a Super Corporation. <laughs> <sighs> I'll get over it. I won't get over it, but I'll live with it. <laughs> or like,
0: Carlina, or Carlina.
1: One mm-hmm. of those. Plus, it just, you know me, guys, if y'all been listening to us for a while, you know me and my parallel ship names. Like, Lena is not L Corp. Like, that's not her superhero right. name. Like, it just, it's I not know. a good parallel, guys. I'm sorry. Come on.
0: I wasn't involved in the decision making, but I'm still sorry.
1: I know. We could just call them true friends or Bezzy Mates. Yes. I actually am hoping maybe Bezzy Mates might surpass Su- Super Corp. I feel like that, again, the ship has sailed, but I would be perfectly happy if we started referring to them I as Mates. I feel like Bezzymates. people would
0: know what you're talking about if you do say that. Fair. At least fandom people. Have we mentioned the fact that Katie McGrath has been promoted to a series regular for season three?
1: I don't think we have, but we're mentioning it now.
0: What? Have we also mentioned how very excited I am about it? Because I'm pretty excited about it. Because <laughs> Harbinger of Good Episodes.
1: Mm-hmm. You're I, hoping.
0: I am. I am hoping.
1: <laughs> More Lena Lois parallels and lip biting And, and the eyebrow thing? The eyebrow thing and the donut taking. Nobody and... takes this bag of donuts like that. <laughs> and the kombucha having <laughs> and the lunch dates. I just want more of it. And Lena's red coat, which in which she looks I don't fabulous. Think she's had an outfit more of that, that she didn't look fabulous in. It's true, but I've just particularly liked her both times she's worn her red overcoat. It's good. It's a good. Coat. It's a good look for her. How? We've reached the rambling point of our episode, which means we need to conclude. Thank you to everybody who sent us feedback for this episode. We really like getting to share your thoughts as well as our rambling and ranting. Sorry, and about the ranting. a huge thank
0: you for <laughs> sending in voice messages because yes. we are super fond of those.
1: So if you would like to send us some feedback, some fanfic recommendations, some fan art recommendations, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can email us feedback at askgenretv.com Send us a voicemail like these lovely people did. You can either record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us, or you can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. You can also find us on Twitter at AskGenreTV. Phenalysis is part of the
0: AskGenreTV family of podcasts. We've got podcasts about Lost Girl and Orphan Black and Killjoys and some other stuff. Go check out all of those at our website, AskGenreTV.com.